This cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally through online giving, visit trek.fm slash donate for our official alien badges and art prints featuring original illustrations by Toba Ushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Gray, hot. It's time for another steaming hot serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. As always, I'm joined by my two able co-hosts. First, there is my co-host, assistant botanist Daniel Prue, who is in the Arboretum. Uh, I'm confused, Daniel. Are you assistant to the botanist or assistant botanist? Um, assistant botanist, obviously. Only the assistant to the botanist would say that. Uh, absolutely not. They're they're basically the same, anyways. So whatever. Okay. So do you like carry the seed packs, or are you responsible for the watering, or, or what is it? How does it work down listen, there? Listen, listen. Do you kind of? I am tour guide. I am a security officer on the weekends, uh, a volunteer security officer. So not only am I in charge of the security of of the Arboretum, but I am also the assistant botanist. Thank you very much. Fact. All right. Well, that's all right. Awesome. Well, well, I'm also joined by my other co-host who you've already heard, Mr. Darren Moser, who is currently in his quarters. Now, not many people know he is married to Lieutenant Maureen Moser, who is a great engineering officer in the auxiliary power section. So, so how goes the life of a house husband, Darren? Uh, well, I'm really proud of her and just all the work she does on uh, in engineering. And but I just always try to make sure I have a nice hot replicated meal ready. You know, when she gets home, and you know, raising a little one on a starships. You know, some say we were crazy and it was the most dangerous thing in the world. But uh, it's I wouldn't give it up for anything. Well, you are you are rocking that unitard, Darren. Well, as our listeners may have guessed, um, this week's topic is a little bit different. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is mainly the story of the adventures of the Starfleet officers and crew. But viewers of the series know that not every character wears Starfleet rank. And so this week we'll be discussing the civilians who serve Starfleet and the Federation and in other ways and the impact they have had on our favorite show. So we're going we're gonna to kind of go round robin. Um, this this show and and um well we'll go with opening thoughts as always first so so daniel you know no starfleet you know no rank you know rip those pips off and give them to o'brien what, what do you think about the role of civilians here in the next generation i think i think it's uh it, you know it's obviously a big shift from the original series which which is the only thing that we had gotten up up until that point and uh I'm I'm a little sad that we didn't get to see a little bit more of it. Um, I understand why, because they were kind of developing the universe and the show and the ship and all this as they were going along. And I think probably we get to see a little bit more of it later on in this series than we do in the beginning. Um, but I, I always was fascinated with people that didn't fit in, like didn't have that neat, convenient structure. Like, oh, I sit between this person and this person and... You know, they it kind of always throws the crew for a loop. Maybe if if uh, if they bring in an interesting character, but they don't make them Starfleet. So I, I like it when it happens, and I wish it had happened more. Well, you know, Daniel, you're actually responsible for this topic because we were chatting in the crew lounge, and I had mentioned, oh, here's this one civilian in this episode, and then you named like eight more throughout the series, and so you are responsible for the topic this week. So, Darren, what about your thoughts? The uh, the non-Starfleeters of the next generation. Do you, do you think there is a lot or just a few or, or what's well, going in, on? In doing research for this, I, I cracked open Memory Alpha and to my astonishment, I think any single character 
with a name or not is in that database. I think there's a whole list of just junior assistant engineers and it's like, oh, this person uh, was slightly uh, scoffing at what uh, Commander Riker said in this one episode and then we never see him again. But but he has that one facial expression, so he's in the database. So, man, it, it it's definitely... I mean, if you think about it, they outnumber the senior crew like 100 to 1. So I think it's it's not it's definitely something we should pay more attention to is these uh these other crew members. All right, and for our listeners, realize that at least one of the three co-hosts actually does research before the show. Um, so like I said, we're gonna go round robin, and we're gonna start off with Daniel with your pick. Who's your first pick in this round one of your civilian or civilians you want to talk about? Well, in a show that prominently features a bald captain, it really only makes sense that we give the, the first props to the barber of the ship, right? Mott, who we only see a few times in the series. But he 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 was kind of like – a lot of the, the, the people that we'll talk about, and, and we'll get into them, um, they, they kind of make sense for, for plot-wise to show up. And, and they have important things to do to serve the story. But Mott is a character that's just there – for, for whatever reason they decided to make him and um, li- like literally serves no purpose other than to show us that, hey, the D is actually a community. It's an environment of people with, with you know, with various different, you know, tasks and things that, that need to be done. So there, of course, I mean, even in the future, your hair grows. So you've got to get your hair cut. And, and apparently we learned that in the, the 400 year long or longer, I guess, I don't know. I don't really know how the history of haircutting, but in the, in the centuries-long tradition of haircutting, you know, Barbary Daniel, Barbary. <laughs> okay, the 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 stereotypes haven't changed much. He's very chatty and, and very gossipy and and very forward. But but he's an interesting. I, I like him. Every time he shows up, he makes me smile, and it's fun, and I enjoy him. So you're basically you can draw a straight line from the Andy Griffith show Barber to Mott on the Next Generation. Uh, 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 Daniel's giving me that What's look that? again. <laughs> you know, they used to make TV shows that weren't in color. We'll talk about it later. I'd say that, uh, you know, the Enterprise is lucky to have Mott. He is the heir to the great bully in Applesauce Fortune. I just didn't thought you uh, <laughs> thought you should know that. <laughs> well, well, you know, one of these things that I always find interesting about the civilians, especially those serving on ship, but, but throughout the Federation and Starfleet, you know, we never really get into, I'm sure there's been a books or books written, but it, we never get into the economics of of the 24th century or personal motivations. Like, in other words, what life decision is Mott going, you know, I just want to go to a starship, cut hair. That's all I want to do. That's what makes my life fulfilling. I know we talked about this a little bit on the, our Ensign Rogue commentary episode in the past, but you know, like really you're like, I don't want to join Starfleet or learn engineering, but I want to be on a starship. How do I get there? Barber. Does he take maybe a really advanced like Myers Briggs test and it says you are really good at Barbary and uh but it needs to be in a moving location uh and so I recommend <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, is Barbary a real word, or are we making this up? Because I'm, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard it before. Does he practice barbarism? <laughs> it is now, Daniel. It is now. I, I keep hey. hearing it, and I don't know if you guys are just like messing with me, or <laughs> you, you, you haven't heard of the Barbary pirates who could style and gel hair. You don't never heard about that. Oh, they were really interesting pirates. They had some cool beers. This from though. the podcast that came up with "torf" as a word. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we can accept "barbary" as a the official 24th century term for mock profession. Well, I mean, I almost feel like not to be a racist, Wesley, but I almost feel like there's a stereotype because the first barbers we see are all bullions. Which, a considering the men have no hair, it seems very uh, uh, counterintuitive that a lot of them would be barbers. Um, but but I think you do see a few background barbers who are non-Bolians, but it's 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 sort of an interesting calling. Okay, so I mean, we can get into like the whole we shouldn't get into it because this is a whole separate subject that we should get into at some point, but like we can't talk about the economics. Like what does Mott get out of being a barber? Like I mean, he gets to be on a starship. Right. You know. It's like a tour of so, duty, but he's not being paid. It's 
the which none of them are matters i guess well he gets free food and quarters and maybe that's why it's just hard for us to visualize because it's just so different and alien from the way we structure our decisions and our course in life that we just can't wrap our heads around it well, I don't know how many of you, and this may be, I know, very American and maybe even regionally American, um, how many of you had to take the ASVAB test when you were in high school? This is the, um, it's almost a military, it is like a military test, but they do it in, in high schools uh, where you fill out, take it, and then like it tells you what, you know, jobs you would be good for. And so like maybe some people get Starship Commander, some people get Barbers. Uh, to me, like, I, uh, and I know a lot of people do have kind of difficulty wrapping their minds around this but i mean i a a lot of the people that i've known in my life are happy enough not being the head of whatever they're doing like i know people who cut hair that are perfectly happy with that being their life ambitions and goals and, and there's nothing wrong with that and so I don't see that it's any different in the future. This this guy, I mean, as silly as it is because he doesn't have any hair and his species doesn't have any hair as far as we know, uh, you know. Uh, well, the females. Oh, the females do. That's right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But to me, it doesn't – I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, it's like – and he's at the top of his class. Like, he. that's what Riker says in that episode. He is head he is the best. <laughs> He is head and shoulders oh. above the rest. So he's actually, if you think about it, he he is the Captain Picard of barbarism. <laughs> Barbarity. <laughs> whatever the word that we just made up was, I can't remember. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that's where, you can't go any further than that. You, Daniel, just drop mm. your mic at this point. That's, <laughs> well, that, is, that is great. I, I think, you know, for those wanting to do the mo- character profile, I think Daniel Prue will do it. And the title will be the Captain Picard of Barbary. <laughs> So, so Darren, what, what's your first choice here in round one? Well, I pick a very well-known face around the Enterprise. Sometimes she shows up on the bridge. Sometimes she just walks into Picard's radio room because it suits her fancy. I go with the mysterious bartender of 10 forward, Guinan. I thought you were going to say Data. No, 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 no. Only briefly usurped by the Sumerian sunset-wielding Data. But no, uh, Guinan is a great addition to the Enterprise crew. And because they actually keep much of her a mystery, they're able to use her character in a lot of different ways that you can't with other people. I mean, let's take uh, yesterday's Enterprise, for example. I mean, a key plot point of that episode hinges on Guinan's gut and gut feeling that the whole universe is wrong. I mean, what? there's very few other characters that would have enough clout or be alien enough with her missing eyebrows to to warrant Picard making those decisions. And, and in yesterday's Enterprise, it's, it's interesting because, again, I, I think the whole conceit of this topic this week is the role of civilians and, and, you know, how do they get there? You know, what do they do? But like with Guinan, where Captain Picard basically has to explain to Captain Garrett hey, this civilian woman, I trust implicitly, and if she says it's wrong, it's wrong, and that's how I'm going to go by. And Captain Garrett's like, who the heck is this? This is how we do things in the early 24th century. Well, and she's at least 400 years old. I mean, if she's been around with Samuel Clemens, the great Mark Twain, then... Hey! Then, you know, and she looks like she is in a day over 1885, then, uh, you know... We definitely, as Picard puts it in the greatest understatement, her species is very long-lived. We don't know a lot about it. It's like, yeah, Picard, yeah, uh, that's that's an understatement. But uh, but she's also gone through a lot of hardships, you know, from meeting Samuel Clemens to the Borg. <laughs> is that an order or reverse order? <laughs> they're about we'll this, you, they're about equal. Let's we'll let fair. you decide which one is uh, the greater uh, bane <laughs> of her of her life experience. But um, well, she is a race of listeners, so you know Samuel Clemens in a room. That's uh, that's going to be pretty hard. Every time she reads Tom Sawyer, does she suddenly go <laughs> with, her, with her hands? And and I mean, you know, obviously. We don't want to, to delve too deep into Guinan because I'm sure at some point we'll have a whole show dedicated to her. But she is clearly she's she is the most influential civilian of of any on any Star Trek show. Really, I mean, she you know she she's we we get this recurring character from 
season three all the way up to the movies. And uh, and what a great character she is. I mean, anytime Guinan's on screen, it's better. Like the scene is better. There are there are episodes that Guinan is the only shining light in it. But I can't even think. And I hate Time Zero. I hate Time Zero. But I will watch Guinan What's anytime. What's that, that, Sonny? Uh, what are you, you know. saying about Tom Zero? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, her, the her and Picard stuff is great. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, introduced in, in season two, I mean, you know, in reality, it's like, okay, the, the powers that be were like, we want to add another set, add another character. We want a place where um, uh, Star, our Starfleet crew can relax. Because um, it's interesting. Uh, Ten Ford is also the place where we get introduced to Dr. Pulaski for the first time. But anyway, what is interesting? Um, but yeah, with, that with Guinan. I mean, to go to go meta for the for the actress for Ruby Goldberg. At least from what I hear on how she got onto the show, is she basically, I think, asked if if she could have a role, and they were like, "Oh, well, we we actually thought we would never be able to have someone of your caliber and character on our show. So yeah, we can we can write a part for you and." You know, thus Guinan, named after the Prohibition, Texas Guinan, was born. Yeah, I actually was listening to an interview with Rick Berman, not a recent one, but he, she actually asked to be the new doctor because this was after oh. Gates had left. And they're like, well, how's um, bartender sound? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, again, the, and, you know, in universe, you know, we have Picard saying, and we don't know how he thinks he met her. I mean, we know how they first met. Uh, a they long just time keep line. meeting in the room. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh. Um, but but that you know he requested this you know this person this woman to be the head bartender, and so it make, it makes you wonder who runs like the other galaxy class starship ten forwards, and is it such a big a deal as it is? And in she Guyana. has to work really hard to protect that brand because every galaxy class ship has, you know, the same layout. So they still have a 10 forward. She can't copyright that, or it's just, it, it won't hold up in 24th century court. Or is she a franchise? She's owner? a franchise order. There it is. She pays her, uh, Oh, yeah, it all falls apart. There's no money. <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, put down anything else, but like, let's compare Guinan with the next near Well, the two next nearest characters that we get, on Star Trek, which are Quark and Neelix. And, um, you know, Guinan is, is, regardless of what you feel about those two characters, she has, you know, just as much, if if not more, impact on her series than those two characters do, even though those two characters are established from the very beginning and go to the very end. Like, that's how important that this woman is, who is only in a handful of episodes, you know, I don't know. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it can't be more than I don't know what twenty or thirty episodes. I don't know. Yeah, and 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 then she's faced the biggest baddies: the Borg, Q, Samuel Clemens, um, Mark Twain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, you're forgetting Enterprise uh, Chef, who I think we actually chef, yes. never see in. in we see his feet. So never mind. Never mind. Actually, we, we see Chef. Yeah, he's played by the, the greatest uh, Star Trek character to appear in every series. So, <laughs> Number one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, like you said, we could talk about Guinan forever, and I'm sure we will. And I think not only will we have our own Guinan episode, we'll also have a crossover one where it just features Guinan's hats. <laughs> be. So, uh, um, well, I guess for my first pick here in round one, I'm going to go with one of Daniel's favorite epi- uh, characters, uh, not Major Kira, because this isn't the orb. It's going to instead be another uh, character from Deep Space Nine, but who started in Next Generation, Keiko O'Brien, um, you know, who's a civilian. And, you know, we, she's first introduced in Data's Day, which I find a little weird, but I'll just talk about it in a second. But that, um, you know, we're introduced to her that she's just this a civilian botanist on the Enterprise, um, which to me strikes me as as odd. And I think I was commenting to y'all when we were talking um, in the main shuttle bay um, that, you know, why isn't this a blue shirt? Like, why why do we have a need for a, a civilian botanist on the Enterprise D? You would think there would be enough blue shirts walking around, you know, which, which kind of strikes me about this whole topic, you know. 
It reminds me, not to get too in universe, but that's what I do. Um, it reminds me of the modern military. Like I know, you know, being being in the army, um, you know, we have contractors. Um, you know, when it, I've had, when I had a motor pool under me, you know, we had contractors who worked in our motor pool. Like just we had our our men and women in uniform turning wrenches, and then we had civilians there turning wrenches because um, just sometimes there's just some things we can do where we can mix personnel like that. But like here, you have a botanist, which I don't know. You would think there'd be a good science school botany school the starfleet academy but for some reason we have a civilian one here on the enterprise so did that strike you all as odd or 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 we're not talking about the character daniel just the concept of botany. does that strike you as odd that there are these civilian positions that could be filled by uniform folks well if we take a look at at keiko if keiko's entire quote unquote arc character arc if you want to call it that we see that on Deep Space Nine that she decides that there's a need for a school teacher and decides to fill it. So it makes total sense that on the Enterprise D, she decides that now she's chief in charge of plants and makes an arboretum. And no, I, I'm just saying these things. Yeah, I mean, it makes... Well, how'd she get there? She wasn't married when she got there. Yeah, you're right. No, no, I agree with you. It doesn't make a lot of sense on the face of it because why would they... I'm sure they have botanists on the ship. I agree with you. Like, why Why do we need this civilian to fill this position that we would... I mean, you would need a botanist on a spaceship without a, without a shot. You would need probably a team of botanists on the Enterprise D, right? Now, is the difference that she's not a botanist in the sense of that she's going on away missions? She's more like the in-house botanist. Like, just make the plants pretty <laughs> in the Arboretum. You know, just make the ship more pleasant. She's basically a glorified interior decorator is what I'm saying. Well, if you think about it, uh, like you were saying, why is she not a blue shirt? I think, well, if she was a blue shirt, maybe she wouldn't have been assigned to the Enterprise. I mean, there's something to be said of you could be really good in your field and you could get a contract with Starfleet and then you get your choice of, of assignments. Whereas if you're in Starfleet, well, now you're just going to get assigned to the Melbourne and die in the Battle of Wolf 359. So. Hey, if you don't take the Melbourne, you're going to be going behind, and people are just going to be going past you on the career track. So. You're going to seem like you're moving, you're standing still in the field of botany. <laughs> in the field of botany. <laughs> oh, goodness. But anyway, but I mean, Keiko's obviously, you know, you know, I have to say, though, I, I think that she was really more a better DS9 character and had more nuance and was developed more in her character arc <laughs> and that she faced more moral choices. That, you can't oh, be I'm serious. I was, I, was, I was reading this DS9 propaganda okay. that was some here on my desk. Okay. Never mind. I, I will say. It just says, in, insert a character. I will say the episode and, and say that, where so. she's like possessed by a paw wraith or something. That That was pretty good acting. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, one thing that struck me as odd, though, for her character, which I know Daniel has a list, um, is, is in Data's day, like, Data is her surrogate, I mean, I know, like, quotation marks, surrogate father, but I'm like, can you retcon a relationship that close? It's like, never heard of her, and then, like, boom, oh, yeah, Data's, like, her dad. I'm like, what, where was she the whole time? Was she, like, in the, in the back scenery every other episode? Data, like, has his... his like did, did like Jordy never tell Data about this other friend because he didn't want him to get jealous. She clings like for important life events. She clings to whichever senior officer is closest to her. So like, oh, I'm getting married, and Data's in the room, so he can be you know the father of quote unquote the father of the bride. Oh, hey, I'm having a baby. Worf is in the room. He can deliver the baby. Like she's just she's what she's just she, she likes yellow she's shirts. A vampire. She sucks say. the life out of everything else around her. The, and also, they also have to me the, the a very interesting marriage because like watching all the episodes after Data's Day between her and Miles, they apparently never met each other. Like, don't know each other's favorite food or anything. They just crazy kids just wanted to get married, and you know, we'll figure out each well, other. Hey, later. don't you usually so get very, bigger yeah. quarters if you're married on a ship? <laughs> very interesting. I'm I'm starting to see. Starting to see well, what's going on. And as the okay. O'Brien, you know, comics have told us, it's pretty dang boring in uh, transporter room, you know, three all the time. So I, I can see Riker, or I can see O'Brien definitely wanting to uh, to branch out there. Miles just wanted somebody to pick up his socks for him. <laughs> all right, well, going on to round two, Daniel, who is your second choice or or group of choice? <clears throat> I went with a with a one episode uh, choice for this one. I went with 
the oh 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 wow I get wow that I went with Okona from the outrageous Okona um, because he's the most civilian character I think that we get right like he's like. I'm like Han Solo and I don't care about authority and I just do what I want and look at me fly around in my ship. Like <laughs> broken like ship, I'll most... spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the most like separated from, I think the like Federation quote unquote that we see. And he, I mean, it's not a, it's not an amazing episode in my opinion, but, but we do. And it is very much a poor man's Han Solo. But but we do get to see like there are people in the galaxy that just kind of do whatever they want. They just do their own thing, and like it's interesting to see how that interacts with. Now I know on Trek FM, Ensign Leffler is a very famous ensign, um, of course, based on who she's played by. But speaking of the outrageous O'Connor, do you know which transporter chief actress is introduced in this episode? Who you, Mr. O'Connor has some smoochy time with? You mean Ensign Lois Lane? Yes, of course. I I know exactly who you're yes, talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, I think this is the runner-up for for Ensign Leffler. So yes, Terry Hatcher <laughs> is, is is plays a transporter chief who O'Connor gets. It's a little uh, I don't know. Maybe this is filed under twenty fourth century romances are beyond my understanding. But uh, <sighs> kind of just Fella, come across Fella. a little strong in this episode <laughs> where it's like borderline female empowerment slash male chauvinism. I'm not sure which one is going on here. So. But speaking of, of, of male chauvinism, you know, the reason he's he's sort of playing that romantic type is because that actor was originally cast as William T. Riker. I had heard that. Is that, tr- is that true? Yeah. I, well, again, based on this uh, Rick Berman interview, he actually was cast as Riker, not like he mis- he was cast. And for some reason, it didn't work out. And Frakes was the second choice. And they went with him because whatever he the first guy was unavailable or got a movie or something like that. Oh, he was the Rocketeer, wasn't he? Isn't that who the guy was? I'm pretty sure he was. He was in the Rocketeer, yeah. Billy Campbell, yeah. right? Is that his name? Yeah. So there, there you, you get your, you know, just like we got the Traveler was your uh, second place data. We have Okana as your actually first place number one. He was number one, number one. <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. We get these sort of freighter captains. Like I was watching um, uh, Final Mission, um, Wesley's Crusher, Wesley Crusher's first last episode, because <laughs> he'd have another few other last episodes, um, where you have that freighter captain, which I think it's funny that these guys, you know, just have this like shuttlecraft and they get to be called captain or whatever. <laughs> um, but like you have Okona, who's who's like that, right? And like you said, he gets to do what he wants and a little like Romeo and Juliet. A storyline here and and Wes looks up to him and then maybe doesn't look up to him so much anymore but but yeah it's it's interesting the life you can live in the 24th century if you if you're not wearing a starfleet uniform can be can be pretty cool i suppose sometimes if you if you make it of it what you will all right well moving on darren what is your second choice here well i went a little bit into the you know very small role obscurity corner and i picked uh Kaminer who was you're like who I, I don't even don't even know who that is well she what was was she the security chief that died the first no season? she was the fourth member of the uh, ab- abducted group by the aliens in schisms so in in uh, schisms you have Riker LaForge Worf and Kaminer <laughs> are all abducted and so she's so that's the reason I picked her though because in this episode, you easily could have had all four main cast people be abducted. But I liked how they added, you know, a civilian, non-officer, non-known person to kind of add a little bit of, you know, validity of like, okay, if they are taking people at random and doing experiments, like, why does it happen to be everyone who works on deck one? <laughs> uh, but, you know, so like I said, she's has a very small role. I think she remembered a lot about scissors after, you know, Lieutenant Worf, you know, <laughs> jogged her memory. And I think she never went to Mr. Mott's after that. It, it just was too painful. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure she survived the encounter um, but and you know, like Tom Paris, I guess anyone is good at you know creating holographic uh, furniture if you if you just put, punch things into the computer. But you know, this this leaves me making the the uh, scissors reference. We never see the hairstylist 
of the Enterprise. <laughs> like, where do Troy and Beverly go? They don't go to Mott, do they? Of, co- I mean, of course you know. they do. Of course they do. Really? Uh, he is the galaxy's like little... greatest barber. Don't forget. <laughs> well, yes, but it's not a stylist. I don't. You know, women don't go to a barber. Every other day is is Women's saying. Day. <laughs> oh, the cameras okay. just don't do show they... up on those days. <laughs> yeah, we never have any reason to go there down there. You know, on those days. But yeah, absolutely. We just show up on uh, Jazzercise Day. That's the only day apparently <laughs> we want to see. <laughs> Well, just like just like the barber shop, there is Jazzercise for Men Day, but we never get to see it. That's the, on the other. That's on the opposite days. So, yeah, their outfits. So are I just want you to know there there and, is uh, there no there's a deleted scene with Captain Picard and Commander Riker in those uniforms in front of those mirrors. I just want you to know that that exists where they're doing those stretches together and everything. So. I'm picturing them in Beverly and Troy's uniforms. Is that what you're inferring? Because that oh, yeah. would be... Oh, Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And is Riker, is Riker telling Jean-Luc about his Risa adventures and his toes <laughs> as they, crawling As up? they're kind of like pulling their arms back and forth. You know? <laughs> that would get real awkward real fast. That's why, the, that's why it's a deleted, deleted scene. And that's then Jean-Luc a, tells his stories and Riker is like, I would have loved to know that Jean-Luc, that Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> oh, man. Now, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. Did they ever explain, like, what her purpose on the ship was? Or no, just she's just a uh, random civilian, you know, doesn't have a, just provided with a doorway into this universe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she said it does say her name comes from the script and was not actually in dialogue, so she didn't even get her name spoken aloud. Uh, Did she just, like, make it up? Well, My name's it says it was named Kaminer. after... Sure, keep telling yourself, honey. It says it's after uh, author Wendy Kaminer, who uh, was an author of some... Um, the Star Trek Next Generation companion. So it was one of those little little nods to a friend that didn't actually get spoken, so it kind of yeah, very little fell, nod. Fell yeah. Maybe maybe it said something on her on her on her you know, the name tag on the back of her shirt. And if only the camera had shown it, then it would have been canon. But uh, it was really just the logo. Yeah, it was the yeah. logo, yeah. <laughs> Now, one thing I have to bring up, you know, because it's not really specific per se, but like, you know, the civilians get to wear interesting clothes. Ugh. You know, it's the multi-tard or the unitard or the, there's a lot of spandex is what I'm saying for these, for these people. Lots of fringes, lots of fluffs, you know, lots of sleeves. We could, we could probably spend a whole episode talking about the quote unquote civilian clothes of the 24th century and. And maybe we should because it's too big of a topic to touch right now. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I have to tell you, we go you know in bed tonight and wear those Picard you know silk <laughs> shorts that only come up to my mid thigh and the With your... robe that I <laughs> rip around. <laughs> have the low chest line. Uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into. He has nothing, you know, on there. Data who just sleeps in his uniform, and when it's like time to get up, he just sits up and just. There he goes. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, let, let me let me stop this and go to my second pick, um, which I sort of have a broad category because, and and I'm not going to go in depth about all these folks because I could just do the whole podcast about them. But basically, it's sort of what I'm calling the science and ship experts that we see visit the Enterprise D, and they're basically experts from Starfleet and the Federation who are there to offer some scientific expertise or some engineering expertise. And I have a few examples, and I'm sure people can probably think of even more themselves. Um, but here's just a, a mission few. specialist, um, as Dr. you would, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Dr. Leah Brahms, um, who we only see for real once. You know, technically we see her twice, but that's holographic, Leah. Because, um, in fact, I just watched this episode, Galaxy's Child. And she's, you know, a warp expert, you know, ship designer. And so we have the people who are designing the Enterprise are civilians, or, or at least some of them. She has mentioned um, another, an additional time, though. Well, that's all good things. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Just wanted to say. Very good. Very good. That's right. All right. Okay. And another person is um, Kaczynski, who, who we get mentioned twice. Um, but we see once, and we're no... Uh, no one has gone before. Now, I, there's a potential argument here, right? So we see Kaczynski. He's wearing a uh, yellow uniform, Starfleet uniform, but it has no rank. And I know folks like might say, well, maybe he's like an enlisted guy. or But, like, he certainly does not 
act like he's enlisted as he's telling Riker, that's Commander Riker, um, what to do, and and all these folks. I mean, it, it reminds me of when I've been when I was deployed. You know, the civilians would still wear army uniforms. They would just you know, obviously they don't have you know rank, and it would maybe even say like civilian or or, or something. I forget. It's been a while um, on their uniform, but they would wear the same thing we wore. Um, so I think maybe Kaczynski's just a example of that i don't know it was the first season we were, we were working could they out. could they make up their own rank just out of curiosity could could i be like no. supreme commander prue if i was like no. a civilian I was, I was just wondering okay yourself <laughs> um and then just two quick ones and again you could probably think of half a dozen uh dr paul stubbs Fly ball or the stubbs <laughs> stubbs who laid the egg right um and did you, wait, guys, did you know that Wesley could be the next Mozart? Did you know? That? I have I that know. tattooed on he's my uh, sleeve. <laughs> did you know he's a Wunderkind? Anyway. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, like I said, you a million, but here's just another one. Because these are all folks who visit the Enterprise for some expertise reason. They're all civilians, and they all usually have doctor in front of their name. Um, Dr. Toby Russell, who was a, a doctor. Well, I think she was a research, a medical researcher, but she was in the episode Ethics, and she's the one who um, violated ethics eh, in the title um to uh help Worf regain his mobility after the broken spine or whatever it is he got from the silly thing that fell on him um hey those but, giant you know, Play-Doh containers are very important okay <laughs> just because they don't have osha approved safety rails around them i don't know you know <laughs> but, but but most of these folks i mean kaczynski notwithstanding but still to a certain extent these are all folks who presumably have gone to school you know phds and medicine or engineering or research or warp theory or whatever um and they're not starfleet and i don't know if they're they go to civilian education institutions or or whatever but but they're still part of the federation and i don't know if they're starfleetish or starfleet-esque but at least federation scientists and we certainly see them you know in some way or another visiting the ship or a starbase or whatever and still contributing to the mission all right, well, let's go into our final round here and go with Daniel. What is, what's your final pick here? I, I decided to go with something a little bit different from our last pick. I, I wanted to see what someone in our time would be like in, in the next generation time. So we have the episode, The Neutral Zone, the, the lovely closing of uh, season one. Season, season one? Yes. Season two. Oh. Season one. Season I'm sorry, <laughs> I couldn't remember. Um, where we get to see, <clears throat> we get to see a, a self indulgent uh, lawyer, banker guy. Banker. He was a banker, and he wanted to talk to his lawyer. Whatever. He was like obsessed with money, of, of course, because of course we have to teach you the value of not needing money. Uh, and then we had just this evil capitalist <laughs> with their bourgeoisie. <laughs> And then we had, of course, the guy who just wants to party all the time. So why don't we stick him with data? Because that just would naturally write itself. And then we have the woman who learns the lesson by the end of the episode. But yeah, we, we see these 20th century people. Tw- well, I guess they're 21st century people um, in the, the 24th century, which is interesting. It's interesting to see, you know, yeah, can your fancy machine replicate me a guitar? You know, like it's it's really interesting to see these kinds of things happen. Like what would people today, according to the, the people who wrote the episode in the 80s, you know, how would they respond to the 24th century? And, and that's interesting because, you know, we're way separated from the values of Starfleet and of the Federation. So I, I thought that was just an interesting thing that we could talk about as well. Now, I think if Data had had his emotion chip at this point, I think he should have played a great practical joke on that guy and said, I'm sorry, sir, music was outlawed in the late 23rd century, and by even mentioning a guitar, I have to put you to death. (laughs) Just kidding, JK, JK. That's what you guys talked back then, right? (laughs) Lowler skates. Um, But yeah, I I mean, it is a... 
it's I don't it's a horrible episode, but it's an interesting concept. Um, well, I think this is the part. Like they're like passing through. Hey, we found the stuff with the people who are frozen. Should we unthaw them? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, they're aboard. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Take like, care of them. I got stuff to do. Like really, really, Captain Card, you don't have time. Oh, and then they like they're calling him. Why are these people who I rescued and unfroze from three hundred years ago bothering me? I have stuff to do. Really, they're not like your first concern. Um, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Philip, are you disrespecting our generation? space seed because that's basically what this is so i think they should just re-record the intro and ken picard's like to seek out new life and new <laughs> civilizations when it's when convenient, it's convenient. <laughs> and i I'm do i reading I, shakespeare i do i want to bring up one point um that this this episode in particular brings to my mind but can probably be transferred across all almost all of the people that we've brought up the fact that civilians have complete free roam on the enterprise and can do whatever the heck they want at any point is totally absurd in in that episode in the neutral zone this guy shows up on the bridge and is like well i think that romulan is lying or whatever like it's like what who are you get off the bridge no one said you could come up here and the other guy says you know well don't you need like a a master floor key to get get up there and they're like nope we just trust everybody implicitly (laughs) we just (laughs) well to me that that's the point of the 24th century he's like yeah we trust people not to be idiots so um (laughs) thanks for 300 years of development Uh, even if they might be boarding parties, we trust them to not, <laughs> not go to the bridge and kill us. It's an open society. They're much more relaxed. They're not paranoid like the 21st century. He shows up on the bridge, starts giving advice, and, and Picard's like, I think it was Worf. And he's like, Worf, get this guy out of here. And like, Worf is about to, but then something interesting is happening on the main screen, so Worf just stops, so we can still all watch what's happening on the main screen. It's re- Wait, this is this this is before Worf turned to his uh, volunteer on the weekend security officer and said, <laughs> "You heard the captain, take him away." <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's finally one of the few times they actually listen to slash give Worf something to do. I I don't think anything could have you know distracted him from throwing that guy out the turbo lift. Because after that, it's all, Captain, I think we should kick him off the bridge. Shut up, Mr. Wolf. I don't think this is a good idea. We're back, is the wrong lines in this episode. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, Darren, let's let's move on to you. Uh, What's your last pick here? Uh, I pick our favorite checkered sleeve bartender, Ben the Waiter from 10 forward famously captured in the episode lower decks uh i think this is we'd have to say this is probably uh, i mean not counting guinan who is you know like we've said is a pretty major character for four minor characters ben gets a lot of screen time and he's a really fun character uh you see him you know rubbing elbows with the senior staff you know he knows how they like their drinks you know and you know man he is he's gutsy he's like hey i just cleaned out a bunch of ensigns want to take a crack at some you know command division chips and they're just like pull up a chair man i wish you know uh lavelle had shown a little gumption in his you know (laughs) progress report but uh, you know, it's is a great character, and and boy, does he really pull off those checkered sleeves? I just gotta say. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think it is interesting because the role of civilians is that they have no reason to fear. Like, there's no command influence over them. Like, I mean, they're respectful, but they don't care about Will Riker. They just fear commander. They don't Dana Troy piloting the ship. <laughs> when you're stationed in ten forward, that is what keeps you up at night. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, you're the uh, first to go. Ah, oh, goodness. No, that's why you just you but, take but all the other shifts. That when whenever a planet shows up, you're like, all right, I'm on vacation. Uh, let me know when we're in deep space where we can't <laughs> crash into anything. That's fine. Yeah, that's only when they're visiting stars. Yeah, not guess planets. what lives in deep space, <laughs> Daniel? Planets, and guess what they have? Gravity. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty sad. I know they did not crash into a star, not once. <laughs> not 
Um, but yeah, I think he is. An, you know, lower decks I think shows a lot of what you quote unquote don't see usually on the Enterprise D. Um, but that again, an interesting civilian perspective of you know having friends among the the, the junior officers and 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 what his point of view is. Because I mean, those point of view episodes, which we don't see a lot of, but like for instance. Um, I know this is kind of not the same, but somewhat. Um, just having watched First Contact, the episode, we get the alien perspective episode that's actually told through the aliens, not through our our characters. So it's an interesting point of view episode. But with Ben, you do get that interesting point of view. Um, but, it, but I think, Darren, you know, the interesting thing is we see these waiters and waitresses or waitstaff or whatever it is we want to call them in Tin Forward, you know, throughout the series. And again, you know, it drives me like what drives these folks to be like, you know what? I want to be on a starship, but I don't really have any real skills, so I can carry a tray. Well, I still I still stand by my Myers-Briggs type test, but I think I figured it out. They retake it every 6 months, and that's why boom, what now Jordy's out of a red shirt and he's in a gold shirt cuz the test just told him, "Yo, you need to be a gold shirt." <laughs> Worf, boom, now he's in a yellow shirt. He retook it in DS9. Boom! Now I'm back to red shirt. You know, I I really think that's an int- uh, uh, unrevealed part of the 24th century job job career fair. Yeah, and, and I know lots of you know our listeners have probably had those jobs where there are waiters and waitresses, and you know certainly. But I, I don't think you did it for the love of waiting. I mean, it's usually because you had you know a, a good. Ben is writing and... his next hollow novel while he's waiting on the <laughs> <laughs> Is he being? Is he trying out for Beverly Crusher's play? He's lot? trying out oh, for her geez. play. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, Dr. Crusher, I have this screenplay. If, if you have a moment, if you can just read it. Um, I mean, you know, just tell, tell me what you think. It's about a man in a mental institution, and he's losing his mind. He doesn't know what uh, reality is. Wait, wait. It's six months later. Uh, <laughs> she totally stole his play out of the database. So, like, if I ask um, every waiter and waitress in Ten Forward what their job title is, will they say actor? All right. Well, I'll I'll move on to my final pick here, and it's a broad category. It's the teachers on board the Enterprise. Um, I don't. I, they're given. There's some that are given names. I just can't remember any of them off the top of my head. Um, but like, we we see them in a lot of episodes. Um, this is off the top of my head. We see them in um, the Offspring mm-hmm. uh, with Law. Data's daughter, you know, because she's there in school being ignored by all the kids and being laughed at by the kids, not being laughed with. <laughs> being laughed. Um, one is meant, anyway. And we see it in uh, The Child with Ian Troy, Deanna's uh, immaculate conception. <laughs> um, we see him in, in class. Um, we see, uh, I'm blanking on the episode title, where... Uh, Kalar returns and says, hey, War, <laughs> surprise, it's a boy who's four year, who's six years old in a year. Um, and so, you know, Alexander's, you know, growling at the kids there inside the classroom. I, actually, we see a lot of elementary school uh, teachers, which I think they're mostly women. I can't, maybe there were some men in there. But one thing, like, we never see any of Wesley's teachers because we hear about them throughout the entire first season and second season. Like, who is Wesley doing all these experiments for? You know, is there like Professor Wainwright or 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 Mrs. Krabappel there in in Schoolroom Two, who's his science teacher? Like, who is this people that he's doing all these absurdly complex experiments for? And really, with his track record, I mean, would you? Why are they assigning him, uh, Wesley? Please make a dangerous culture of nanites that might take over the entire show. Who would give that? assignment to wesley really like have they been on the ship for more than six months i mean is he taking ap molecular biology i mean i don't get but but you never see any of those teachers you never you never see the the high school teachers or the secondary school teachers or whatever you want to call them so um but but yeah they're 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 doing the the grunt work you know they're the ones who have to evacuate the children during the saucer separation or or have to uh or or get the call when uh captain picard is about to call and let him know which parent died this time um you know it's 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 a harsh life of being a teacher there in the enterprise d you know you never know when one of your students will drop their teddy bears in the corridor you know it's it's uh there's a lot going on there for now, teachers. When Picard so. calls for battle stations and red alert. What, what exactly do the teachers 
do? I mean, is that where they pull out their red pens and start grading really furiously? I'm just, I'm just asking. I think, I think, I think most people don't know on um, deck 11, like right under 10 forward, there's the teacher's lounge and that's where they go. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Phil. I'm going to put my super nerd glasses on and uh, I'm actually on the enterprise blueprints. There is no area underneath deck uh, under deck 10. That's farther back on the saucer section. So I can't possibly be where the teachers are. <laughs> well, see, so they they take it off the schematics because they don't want the students oh, to find okay. out because okay. they they do because if you if you that remember the it. school computer shows you the inner inside of the ship, but the teachers don't want the students to be able to see that section. Hi, so you gotta I'm think. the Enterprise computer, and I made this drawing with a pixie stick and a piece of bubble gum. Which which is an interesting thing in Rascals. Where are the teachers? The poor kids are locked in the classroom. Where are their teachers? Well, didn't they which lock up all the adults? Or did they beam them all down on the planet? I don't even remember. But. You know, I mean, you know, Darren, you were you were kind of mocking there for a minute there, but I was thinking about this. Uh, what is nine forward? Because that's the other deck, right? We have two it's, decks um, that have those. It's VIP, those like ambassador quarters. It's like really well. Actually, technically, there is a. I think there is another like like ten forward. It's like a different lounge, but maybe for more important people. But I know a lot of. I think there's also an ambassadorial quarter. It's an after hours. <laughs> it's lounge. the after hours. A, a hole opens up and a pole comes oh. down and people can slide. <laughs> That's where Riker like, goes oh, when 10-4 oh, closes. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's Synth Hall in the Synth Hall room. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure oh, there's goodness. another. It's it's nine forward. Guinan's really, like, she's in a turf war against them. They're trying to get all her good Darren, you realize you just added a whole new category of civilians that I were not aware of <laughs> that are on board the Enterprise. <laughs> and I'm sure it is equal opportunity for our listeners. We, 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 I'm sure it's, it's all types there, which I did not realize were on the Enterprise. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Okay, so I, I think we've had a good discussion. You and your broad topics, um, Philip. You and your broad topics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we will, that that was our topic about broads. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been interesting talking about the civilians of the next generation, but this is just one of the many topics we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Mark Cushman on Season 2. Gene Kuhn was real good at writing comedy. And Gene Roddenberry did not want that for Star Trek. And Roddenberry just said, we are not going to go down that road. Earl Grey. The Borg on TNG. But it's only one episode that we get this, like, technology-obsessed Borg until they become more of, like, a perfection-obsessed Borg. That they're trying to complete themselves, I guess. It's it's just kind of a strange anomaly. There's a hole in their heart that only technology can do. Yes, Borg <laughs> are the Jerry Maguire of You Complete Me. The Ready Room. Well, one thing you didn't mention that that the fact that this is the only TNG episode to make it to Lilith Fair. You know, will you remember me? (laughs) (laughs) Really? I mean, that's you didn't know that. Okay. The Orb. Ferengi values versus Federation values. We we look at the Ferengi and we bristle at them because we don't like being reminded that we lived our lives evolutionarily wise. And, and that was all there was, you, you end up with nihilism. To the journey! Janeway's best command decisions. I might be able to understand where you're coming from if part two of Scorpion was not completely devoted to explaining how Janeway was wrong in every single way. <laughs> Warp 5. Prequel technology. You almost feel like photon torpedoes should have happened 50 years after Enterprise, and they should have gone through three different kinds that you'd never heard of. And yeah. I, it's, that seems more right. real to me. Commentary, Trek stars. Robert Hewitt-Wolf on Trek. Some elements that are in Deep Space Nine that uh, I've never been able to quite fit together with other elements, I think it might actually start to fit together once I, I understand Robert Hewitt-Wolf's involvement. Who I like to call RH Dubs. Literary Treks. Editing Star Trek with Margaret Clark. I try to make sure that the books are true to their theory. 
that if you're right. reading a Key West book, it feels like, okay, Bob Justman would have bought this story. He couldn't afford it, the effect, but Bob Justman would have gone into Gene and went, you really should read this, this is good. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files directly from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for a podcast directory to get all the links to our shows. And we want to thank all of our listeners, or as we like to call you, our EGT drinkers, for the great feedback you've been leaving for our show. And we want to give shout-outs to two U.S. iTunes reviewers. Um, if you've left a review in a non-U.S. iTunes, please let us know, since we're all terrible, ugly Americans who can only check U.S. iTunes. Um, but uh, one of those two reviews uh, was from the Mike Jones Life, who said, I've listened to To the Journey. To the Journey. To the Journey. For a while now, and I'm happy to add Earl Grey to my listening list. The hosts have a great take on the show and provide a bit of an escape for me during my daily commute on the train. I find myself smiling or laughing out loud, which gets a few funny looks for my fellow passengers. Well, the Mike Jones life, we're all about making people look strange in public, so we thank you for that feedback and hope you are enjoying the show. I always knew that, too, the journey was a gateway drug to Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are the after-dinner aperitif to, to the journey. Um, our second reviewer is, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, so I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, so I'm just going to stab at it, W-S-J-I-N-A-M-E-S, Wall Street Journal in names, I don't know. Um, but anyway, we appreciate it. Uh, they said, it's fun hearing hosts who obviously love the series but have somewhat different perspectives. Yes, it is true, Daniel and Darren and I do have somewhat different perspectives um i think keiko is a is a norm is a normal character daniel thinks she is the devil spawn so we have different perspectives here on on uh, earl gray but we really really appreciate everyone leaving uh itunes reviews and and leaving us the five stars i mean you can leave us less than five stars we're not pushing it but we think we're a good show and, and hopefully you, you think so too and, and let us know what you think um and if you'd like to th- share your thoughts on today's episode or any other episode here at earl gray just go to trek.fm slash contact, and there's a form there, and you can choose to send a show um, and choose that option and choose Earl Grey, and your message will come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of the webpage to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm or on Twitter under username trekfm. So, Daniel, if uh, listeners want to get some um, you know, tips about barbarism from you, where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, they can find me um, at on Twitter, of course, at 1updan. That is the number one, not the word. And, I mean, really, if they want to get barbarism tips they can talk to me because i have gone everywhere from bald completely to fairly longish hair so we'll let's have a conversation about it awesome and darren if folks want to get any good unitard recommendations where can they find you on the internet they can find me on twitter at dr sci-fi that's d-r-s-c-i-f-i and they can also listen to my other sci-fi podcast called the dr sci-fi show on itunes if folks want to discuss how they can trade their skills, which may not be that advanced, for um, travel on a starship, they can contact me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC, like North Carolina, NC Public Servant. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor, who makes it possible for us to bring Earl Grey and other Trek FM shows to you each and every week, audible.com. It's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. And there are many next-generation books available on Audible, including Imzadi, read by Jonathan Franks, and Contamination, read by TV's wharf, Michael Dorn. 
As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today and catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustrations by Toba Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each and every week. Well, guys, I have to go take my uh, vocational test here to find out which job I, I would you know, qualify for on the Enterprise. Um, I'm hoping it's probably interior decorator but we'll see i have to go find my number two pencil and scantron so we look forward to seeing you all next week make it so live long and prosper engage fire